Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm Jim Roos, the owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Utah-based open finance solution provider MX Technology has named several PayPal veterans to lead the firm's next stage of growth. This growth will still include the continuation of using data to deliver intelligent and personalized money experiences while concentrating and connecting technology partners to financial institutions with modern solutions that improve results. My guest in the Bank and Transform podcast is Jim Magatz, the CEO of MX. Jim shares how he and his team see MX moving forward and the importance of data as a foundation for the entire banking ecosystem. Jim Agatz, a nearly two-decade PayPal veteran who is most recently the Senior Vice President of Omni Payment Solutions, is one of three senior PayPal executives who have joined MX in the past months. The question is, how will this major shift in management structure change the future course of the business at MX? So, Jim, you, you were at PayPal before this. You know, as you look back on your career, can you tell us a little bit about your career, but also how you think your career path before this had prepared you for this next part of your journey at MX? And also, to be honest with you, why MX? Yeah. So, uh, if, what I did at PayPal was effectively, I came into a very ambiguous role. And this is 2004, early part of 2004, where I was asked to help PayPal navigate the financial institution ecosystem, uh, evangelize PayPal, and as usually happens at these type of organizations, two months in, somebody leaves and they said, can you go do something totally different? And ironically, my job ended doing exactly what I started to do. It just took 18 years to get there. And so basically my job at PayPal was to help the company expand first geographically. So part of the job that, that I've had through much of almost all the 18 years was really looking after our payment platform. So think of PayPal as a company that has Venmo, it has Braintree, it has PayPal Checkout, and underlying all that were effectively and continues to be a, a payment service platform. So how people pay, take money out of the PayPal ecosystem. And so my job initially was to almost be like the Marines, the first boots on the ground as we were going to Europe, Japan, Brazil, Australia, China, and figure out you know, how do payments work in that market, and then backward engineer how payments needed to work to support PayPal and effectively eBay, because at the time we were under eBay. Right. And as eBay was going to the market, they wanted PayPal, and then we had to figure out how payments would work. And so I did that for about, uh, what's to say, from about 2004 to 2010, and then I moved over to Europe and was sort of the payments guru for our European business from 2010 to 2013. And when I was over there, I got um, uh, involved with something called PSD2. And so PSD2, as probably many on this know, is, is sort of the, uh, I'd call the Magna Carta or whatever you want to call it, the, yeah. the document that basically set the standards on open banking. And I got an opportunity to, to help represent PayPal as that was being crafted. Came back from Europe in 2013, and I said to some of our corp dev people, hey, this, this open banking thing, I think is something that we should look at. Yeah. And we actually uh, got involved with Plaid, and we were one of the early investors in Plaid. And we then took a lot of the open banking capabilities and we infused them into the PayPal experiences. And so uh, when you were, uh, I'd say pre-2015-ish, when you were trying to add your bank account to PayPal or Venmo, you'd go through a random deposit process, which is probably all of you have done it, seen it, just like a totally 
fractionalized experience. And we started to use those services from Plaid, Yodely, and we have later invested in a company called Tink in Europe uh, to basically just create a lot of frictionless services within the PayPal environment. Right. And so I got to see... Uh, in effect, how you would then take open banking services and then scale them for basically as a service for all of our internal PayPal customers. And then on the front end of that, how they would actually come to fruition. Yeah. So it's interesting because, you know, PayPal has gone through a lot of changes too. And keeping a challenger mindset, even in what we'll call the probably one of the biggest fintechs in the business, yeah. is a challenge. So you had challenges at PayPal, and I can't ask you about what challenges you'll have at MX because it's still rather new, but what challenges do you have at PayPal with regard to embarking upon change upon, upon change as well as communicating to the marketplace what pay- PayPal was becoming? Yeah, probably the biggest change that I was involved with was when we were coming out of eBay you know, we had to make some existential questions about the company, which is, hey, do we want to be a closed platform, open platform? How are we going to exist in the broader I'll call it, ecosystem? And if you were an investor, the sort of the thesis at 2015 was we're going to spin out of PayPal, or spin out of eBay, sorry. And then probably the average investor gave us like six to 12 months to exist as a standalone company because right. someone was going to come either crush us or buy us. And we took the decision at that point to really think about, hey, how do we think about our customers, not just as PayPal customers, but as financial service ecosystem customers? And in many ways, they're customers of Wells Fargo, you know, Alaska Credit Union. They're, 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 they're basically customers of financial institutions and of PayPal and of Venmo. And we thought about how we can create sort of a mutual win-win across them. And so we looked at our experiences and that which, which ones were the most friction-filled we made some commitments of, of things that we historically had steered people away from yep. uh, cards uh, onto ACH. And we basically said, we're not going to do that anymore. Trust us. It took us about two to three years for them to trust us as we're going through that. And just built a lot of, from my experience, a lot of really uh, integrated experiences. So if you're on a, a bank's website, you can automatically add your PayPal, um, uh, add your card to PayPal. You can right. now pay with rewards on PayPal. Those are just examples. We, we shared risk score data as you go through that. And so really we, we took a, a situation that was very much confrontational and we said, hey, we're going to be an open platform. We're going to be a customer champion company, and we're going to do what's best of customers. And, and you'll hear me talk a lot about I'm a huge fan of partnership. I'm a huge fan of do right by the customer. They'll do right by you. And it sounds yep. very trite, but it's sometimes very hard. At the end of the day, it's the hardest thing to do. Because yeah. you're, you're, you're very embedded into your model. And yep. I think when we made that decision, there were so people within PayPal like, oh, you know, you know, we're going to be a $10 stock. And, and, and when we first announced that, the stock went down like 10, 15%. And people were like, oh, I can't pay my mortgage. I was going to buy right. a house. And we're like, look, it's the right thing to do for our customer. And over time, that, that proved to be the right thing. And I think that's the sort of mindset that I want to bring to MX. So it's interesting. You know, I've been to a number of conferences recently. And if you go, if you close your eyes and went from station to station, you're hearing very similar visions of what these firms are going to do. MX has a vision that's based on data analytics, brings in partnerships, brings in open banking, and deploys against personalization and experiences. A lot of other organizations talk to the same vision, I'll say. How does MX stand out, as you see it going forward, in a marketplace that's filled with companies saying what they say they can do and maybe can't implement against it? 
I think first you have to do it and you have to live it and it has to be part of your ethos as an organization. And you know, one of the things that, that we think a lot internally about is, you know, how do we partner together? How do we under, how do we make people understand that you know, this is no longer a nice to have on, on data? And you know, if, if you look at the number one stress factor that people have, it's around money. And I would argue that when you actually boil it back, other industries have done an incredibly good job of creating good end, end experiences around technology and mobile. And I actually think technology and mobile has actually caused more stress for people. And if you just look at the number of accounts I have, number of accounts you have, right. and you yeah. try to just do a simple, like, where is my money? It's like, where's Waldo, right? right. It's, it's very hard to find where your money is. And then you couple that with um, you know, problems of there's a, there are organizations that sit out there that don't want you to know that you actually made a payment to them. And so you right. couple those together. I think it's, it's, it's very much an imperative. The challenge sometimes is that people have old business paradigms and models. The good news is our, our model, our model and paradigm is around win-wins that if it's good for our customers, it's good for their end customer, it's good for us. And I think as we're thinking about it, it's first and foremost, it starts with how do you make sure that you know, financial institutions or fintechs can actually get their data out? How do you then get that data out in a way that people can access it and take action on it? And then I think you can build elegant experiences on top of that. There's so much innovation that we could be doing in this industry that you sort of like wince and you look at boy, if we just had our act together on data and we had our act together in terms of making it available and everyone worked together, the amount of return this industry could get is exponential versus what it's getting right now. The industry, as you can appreciate, yeah. you know, fights on well, whether gym, uh, two gyms here, well, which yeah. which one of the gyms we have and do we have both of them? And you know, old models on things like interest margin, it really should be around customer satisfaction because I would be glad to pay companies more and financial institutions more if I had a great experience. And, and I think that's one of my learnings yeah. from PayPal is, you know, PayPal makes a decent amount of money because it created a great experience. As Amazon does, as, Amazon, as Apple yeah. does. Yeah. You, you can get that value add if you provide the value on the front end. And ultimately, it's about converting a customer into a good experience and getting them to do something that is good for them and ultimately good for you. So it's interesting. As I mentioned, we started this interview that I've been a friend of MX and MD before that for more than a decade. One thing that's always been true about this organization is they knew data, they knew analytics, and they knew deployment of that. Yeah. Now, the challenge sometimes is it loses, it loses value in the interpretation sometimes. And you brought in some partners, the people that you've worked with at PayPal. How do you see the three of you really focusing on what MX is going to be in the future? Yeah, the, the people that, that, that I've worked with in Nandita and Wes, I think the, something that the three of us hold near and dear is experience matters. Experience matters, experience matters. I'll say it again and again yeah. until, until I'm, I'm done saying it. Ex good experience matters. But it's got to be scalable and it has to be usable. And it can't be one for one party and one for a different party. I think one of the things that, that I learned at PayPal is, you know, we, we at PayPal had 30 million different merchants like on, on the platform. Yeah. And it's global, 200 plus different markets. And we, we were at our best when we're able to take a great experience and make it uniform across all different geographies, all different customers. And I think one of the challenges that organizations have is how do you not create one for one and one for another? Because ultimately you sub-optimize and you can't scale that. Right. And so, you know, for us coming in, it's about how do you think about scalable? How do you think about great experiences? And you know, great experiences aren't just like 
hey, I created a great money map and a great widget as you go through it. Great experiences are on things like, are your APIs in a documented format that easily de developers can easily work and through? Great experience is, is true end-to-end -end around you know, things like documentation, as I mentioned, uh, onboarding. You know, we work with a lot of different partners and we are in a position that they are effectively our sales force. And they have to be able to understand the product. We have to create simplicity across, you know, how do we bill? How do we onboard? How do you service as you go forward? And so those are the things that the, I think the three of us have had a lot of lessons learned yeah. that we've, we've have scars on to, to, to show that. And I think we can bring to the organization and then infusing the data piece to it. I think you know, one <clears throat> of the things that, that I would say that I learned at PayPal is, you know, PayPal had this number may have changed in the time since I left, but had over 50 petabytes of transactional data. And that's a huge number. Oh, yeah. so, so in effect, I, I, and I, it's hard to explain, it's like the Library of Congress to the moon and back right. 50 times. That's, yeah. how much, that's how much data exists within it. And we struggled because we struggled to really untap that data because you didn't have a 360 view of the customer. It wasn't in a format that you could take action on. And so we've seen the problem of innovation because of lack of, of not data. Like the problem is that we don't have data. It's you can't understand it and you can't right, take action. Exactly. On it. And so that's, that's what we're hoping to bring here. So when you, you mentioned earlier about embedded banking, banking as a service. How do you see MX playing in that realm? I mean, you have the data, you have the partners yep. to bring to the marketplace, you have the partnerships with partners where you bring them value, but how do you see this working? And where do you see MX playing when you're talking about working with financial institutions going forward? Because it's really at the, the very beginning stages of this whole embedded banking, banking as a service, but I don't know of any financial institution that will be able to exist without playing in that in some way. Yeah, so it, I, I see that's where the world's going towards. And, you know, for us, it's not about competing with them, it's about enabling. And, you know, quite frankly, we we get excited about all the use cases that a company could could manifest themselves. And, yeah. you know, you, you look at any one of our, you know, literally thousands of institutions that use our platforms today, my dream, and maybe I'm a dreamer at heart as you go through this is connecting them all together and connecting them in a way that if I have a, a good financial loan service, why can't that be embedded into a fintech? If I've got fintech that has a really great way of onboarding or, or finding a way on documentation or bringing in developers, why can't we find a way to marry those two together? And so I really see us as really that intermediary between all those different forces in trying to create a platform for them to utilize as we go forward. So it's interesting. I'm sure you, you've been here long enough to know that one of the things MX is really known for, and we're at the MX um, Summit in uh, Snowbird right now. It's a great example. It's the culture of the organization. The, the organization from its very inception has been just a major mover in the marketplace as much because people wanted to be part of it as anything else. And that's cultural. How do you keep that in place? And more importantly, as things are moving so fast, how do you not allow distractions to happen and keep the challenger mindset? I know at PayPal, they, they engaged with me, I think it was last year when buy now, pay later is jumping all over the place. And they said, you know, we, we kind of took our eyes off the, the prize for a little bit because you can get comfortable when things are going well. How are you going to keep the culture issues strong here, as well as build from that from a challenger standpoint. You know, what, what struck me from day minus 
I don't know, two months to, into yeah. the job to really deciding on the job. And really what brought me here is the culture. And it starts with our founders. Uh, it starts, and in, 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 uh, those of you who know the MX story, you know, two very mission-oriented founders. Uh, unfortunately, Brandon DeWitt, who was our right. CTO, passed away last year. And, you know, he had his brandomisms. I don't even know if that's a term, but I'm well, going to use it now. It definitely is through, true, okay, yes. Is, I'll use that as a term, which was really around do good, right? Do yeah. good, be bold. And I think if nothing else, that's 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 part of the company's DNA. It's on the walls, it's in the bathrooms, it's on oh, the yeah. billboards as you go forth. And... That's what I. That's what attracted me to the to the organization. So I I would be disingenuous to say that's something I, I want to change. I, I think where we have to think about is you know how do we sort of infuse that into the organizations that we serve and support. And as I think we're we are at a juxtaposition right now within the financial services ecosystem at, at heart, where I think if we don't get our act together and we don't figure out this data thing. I can elaborate on this data thing, yeah. but I think if we don't, others are going to do it and they're going to do it better. And I'm not going to name names, but it probably will take you about 10 seconds to figure yeah. out who can. And I think when they do, then that's when you really look at disintermediation. And when the power of data is in the hands of very few, there will be a suppression of innovation. And I think the ability to do good, which Brandon talked yeah. about, won't be there. So let's take a short break and listen to what our sponsors have to say. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. Welcome back to Banking Transform. So I'm joined today by Jim McGatz, the newly named CEO of MX. Um, we've been discussing the future of MX as well as the rapidly changing banking ecosystem. You know, we keep on coming back. I don't think there's been one thing we've said together that hasn't dealt with data and analytics. And I know that MX can take what I'll call garbage data from a financial institution and make it usable. But making usable is only the first step because if, if Wells Fargo, my personal bank, knows everything about me but doesn't let me know they know everything about me, it has little use. And in fact, um, to, to your previous employer's credit, when somebody asked me, who's my business bank, the bank that holds my deposits is not really my business bank. My business bank is PayPal. I get all receipts through PayPal. I have all disbursements through PayPal. And PayPal continually offers me pre-approved loans because they know more about me than anybody else. Now, we have a different situation when you're dealing with financial institution data in that in most cases, you don't have good payments data, which is really the holy grail of the whole scenario. So how do you see the implementation of actually dispersing data and analytics and insights to the marketplace out of MX, and most importantly, making it so your partners, your financial institutions, and your fintech partners really learn to democratize that data and have it go beyond the silo that has always held data analytics at a financial institution. Yeah. The belief I have is that even though we've done great things with fintech and i can I'd be disingenuous if i said well i wasn't part of that and yeah. i'd say well that we didn't do great things i think the companies like paypal have done great things and there are many others 
the challenge that I see is that it's, you know, insight and the ability to have an end to end journey on your money is totally fractionalized. And I think it's actually worse than it was. And, you know, I, I, I tell the story sometimes of, you know, as I grew up, we had one bank, go see the bank manager. That's where our money was. If there are any questions about money, you go see that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I've got over my family now of four, uh, has I think over 16 different bank accounts, 20 some other institutions. And those are the ones my family and wife tell me about. So I don't even know what else they're up to, but let's right. assume that's the case. And so it's really hard to create an end-to-end money experience when in your case, you've got your banking, your bank, your end deposit is with Wells Fargo. Your transactional information is with with uh, PayPal. You probably have a myriad of investment Acorns, accounts. Acorns, yes, Betterment, yeah. SoFi. So, yeah, so, exactly. so the end-to-end experience is totally fractionalized. And so there, there's almost like a first, a, a moment of aha that we all need to realize that the data is, Jim, is your data. It's your data. Mm-hmm. It's not Wells. It's not Acorn. It's your data. And if you want to be able to share that data amongst all those institutions, we should be able to let you do that. And in re- in return, all those institutions should get the benefit of knowing that, hey, you do have a lot of transaction information at PayPal, and, hey, you are investing at Acorns. And yeah, I look at my own situation. I've got a couple mortgages with Wells Fargo, Citibank, who has been my family's primary account holder, has no idea because they have no idea. Now, wouldn't it be interesting? Now they could. Now they could. If now, they went to the credit bureau, they'd yes. find that out. Yes, yeah. exactly. But but, but, but it, it comes back to, I think, so you asked the question, how do we get there? First, I think it's it's a complete understanding that it's in the customer's best interest, should the customer want this, which I think most would, to democratize the data. So that's number one. Number two, we've got to figure out a way to, to do it very easily. It all exists, the open banking standard, you look at the FDX standards, we're going, it, the roadmap is there. We now need to invest in it. And I think then third and, and, and probably more importantly, once we have access and everyone has access to that data, how do you clean it up? How do you make it insightful and actionable? Again, I go back to my 50 petabytes of data at PayPal. Right. It's, and PayPal's a great organization. It just It was stymied or has been stymied because <clears throat> it would love to do more, but that data is not in a position that they can actually do things with. And so it, it starts with the industry just coming together and understanding that you know one plus one equals Right. Two, you know, three to the nth power yeah. of just coming together on this. And so I think our job is to continue to evangelize. And you go back to that culture thing. The culture thing is important because we actually believe in the end goal here is to make people financially stronger, take stress out of money. And that's what we're here to do. Like at the end of the day, I, I, you know, we, we want to actually see that come to fruition. It's in our DNA. And it's not about interest rate margin or all the things we talked about before. It's like, hey, can I look at a customer and say, hey, their life is financially better, which is the number one stress that they have because we help them with data and the industry got together and do this. So it's interesting. So if you were to take data and analytics and insights and give them to one of the top five banks, they could take that and, and find marketing messages and, and, and use it to deploy to the consumer. Most of your clients are not of that size. Yeah. They need not only the insights and what you can see in the data, but they really need you to help them go that final mile. That's the most important mile. And it almost goes back to the origins of MX where the, the money bubbles and everything else yeah. were, were really great, but very few organizations knew, how do I deploy this to the consumer so that they realize yeah. I'm engaging? 
So where do you see MX coming with regards to actually helping organizations deploy these insights to the consumer in a way that they can use it? Because that's, again, the missing, the last mile is the most important one. Yeah, I, I think there's two things that I would say. One would be, it isn't about cross-sell. So I want to, first off, this, this, this is not a situation of, hey, bank, we provided you Jim's information and now you can cross-sell something. to yeah. That may be a derivative benefit. The benefit is actually just looking at the end-to-end -end experience and saying, hey, by sharing data together, it's better. You know, I'll just give you like hypothetical, but I think uh, illustrative examples. There is no reason why I get hit with an overdraft when I have money in my PayPal account or I have money somewhere else because... The bank should talk to again. No, no, Jim has money there, and yep. it automatically should be moved. Everybody would be happy. Yes, the bank would have their money. Yes, yes exactly. So that's just once I, I could go on with yes, a lot of simple right. examples. To me, that's where we need to get to people to understand is like Amazon and Apple. You, you sort of reference them up front. They didn't like change shopping. We still shop. Just made the experience easier. Yep. And so for me, the aha of this is not about cross selling. There will be cross selling opportunities. Whoever makes it easier will make the cross-selling opportunity just naturally happen in context. So where do we fit into that? We fit into that about trying to explain what you can then do with that data would be number one. Number two would be, can we demonstrate ways of applying that data? And, and, and as I just mentioned, here's a way that we could now syndicate an experience on overdraft. Hey, one, by the way, that plays with every one of your clients. It's not about, once, once you figured out the, the magic sauce, you can deploy it across the industry. Correct, yeah. correct. And so that, that's, that's how <clears> we've <throat> started to think about it. It's not about, hey, you can now give you a HELOC loan because I know you had a mortgage or something like that. Right. that that'll all happen. It's really about the end-to-end -end experience. I could go on with things like you could take financial transactional data and it could be as an identity service back to people when they're trying to log in. I just changed my phone and my computer. The amount of time I spent on passwords is insane. I'm yeah. trying to re-authenticate re yeah. myself. It would be quite interesting if we just pulled data and said, Jim, I know you're at Starbucks today. Did you buy a croissant or did you buy a muffin? And 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 you know, with with some right. proper authentication standards around that, that's probably a, a much more elegant and powerful way of just taking financial transaction data and utilizing it in a way that could be very additive to, to people as they go forward. So, so it's interesting. The marketplace moves very slowly. Yep. I mean, I just got a message from Wells Fargo that from now on, when I travel overseas, I'm not going to have to notify them any longer. You're going like, you know, okay, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. How many of us w who travel very much say, wish this had come a decade ago and it's of not course. that hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I talk about me buying a, a, a motor a, automobile and putting all the feelers out there and I'm buying an automobile. Every test drive became a credit bureau yep. and every dealer and every manufacturer contacted me, but not once did a financial institution say, I've got a loan for you. Yeah. Are we moving from experiences to engagement? I mean, I know that's a, a big mantra at PayPal. You know, yeah. the super app issue is yeah. saying, how many times can they get a person to come to the app to use it because they want to as opposed because they have to? Yeah. You see this as really a role that MS is going to play to help financial institutions really build engagement that's about the experience? Yeah, and I can't speak to what's going on at PayPal anymore, but at the same token, I think that I think you're right in terms of the the trend of driving people into their app, into those those uh, points of destination. I, I go back to what I said before. When I was growing up, I'd go to the Cuga County Savings Bank in Auburn, New York, and that's where our money was, and we had yep. issues with money. That's where I went to. And I think we, with proper use of data, created in a way that's democratized, permissible, all the things that, that are important around that, 
we can create a situation for financial institutions and fintechs to be destination places. And at the end of the day, all of them will be destination places. And then who can create better experience and conversion around that, I think is ultimately going to be the winners. But that's what the customers want. So finally, and I, the last question in a lot of these interviews is, you know, where do you see the industry in three to five years? Well, we, we can't use that anymore because yeah. COVID taught us that anything longer than three years is really, you're, you're blowing smoke or yeah. you, you're really rolling the dice. You've come here, you've been here a little while, you've seen a lot of the people, you've brought some of your team with you. What are your aspirations in a general sense for MX going forward? And how do you see it shifting a bit, if at all, from what we've seen in the past? Look, I want people to appreciate that we are about helping people take the stress out of money. That's what I want people to appreciate. And I don't think that's that has changed, that will no. change. And money's very personal. Money's something that people want to, um, in some regard, to, to, to make and empower their lives. And that's how we think about it. And I think data is the epicenter of that. And I think we want to un, unleash the power of data. And, it, yeah. and you know, we sort of talk about in decades of, you know, 20, 2000 to 2010 was like a, the, the browser-based decade. Mobile was the 2010 to 2020. We see data as the, be the epicenter of, of innovation for the 2020s and excited to be part of it. Jim, thank you very much for being Thanks, on the Jim, show. Great to meet you. Great to understand more about you, but also the melding of what your past is as well as what MX's future is going to be. And, and you know, honestly, the whole industry is having to deal with this yep. in different ways. And it's a matter of saying, how can you bring a lot of these opportunities together? And even more so, how can we partner with financial institutions to make them stronger, make them smarter, and make them better for their consumers and businesses they serve? Because that's the missing link that we all miss. And it's the area where most financial institutions feel the most underwhelmed as far as what they can do. They're not mature in that space and they need you to help them along that way. Look Thank you. To it. Thanks, Appreciate Jim. it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to give our show a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to catch the recent articles on the financial brand and check out our research that we are doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, while change will continue to happen, the foundation for success remains surprisingly consistent. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.